0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Doug Ald. Doug is a painter, OBE, and UFO experiencer, as well as a playwright who has written a theatrical musical called Hypnata. Today, we'll learn about some of his experiences and Hypnata. Doug, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome.
1: Hey, Jeff, and thanks for having me.
0: All right, if you don't mind, can we start first with your UFO experiences?
1: Okay, uh, just so your, your audience knows, uh, UFO, I use that term for exactly what it uh, stands for, unidentified flying object. It doesn't mean it's, it could be something we just haven't identified. It doesn't mean it's a flying saucer. It doesn't mean it's from outer space. It could be just something unidentified. And if I look at it long enough and it defies um, explanation, with some peer review that I'll have, then I just classify it as a UFO. So, okay. I could uh, probably go right into sharing my screen and bring some of these up. Okay. Great. Okay. Can you see it? Mm-hmm.
0: Looks German.
1: Uh, that is, that is allegedly the the Hanabu. Um, uh, for people that study this material, it's uh, alleged that, um, Uh, German technology back then uh, was given the secrets to how to build these um, ships. And I've always been uh, fascinated with this photograph because it's an old photograph and it's one that does not strike me as being forged, but I don't know, but I, I, um, I like it on my screen share right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So let me bring up one of the, um, Many images that I have here.
0: Now, these are images that you took personally.
1: Everything that I show Mm -hmm. here will be something that I have photographed. Um, First of all, when I do my night vision, I'll bring up this picture here. Mm -hmm. This is my night vision setup, a a Luna night vision camera and a uh, screen. And when it gets dark, I'll set this up and I'll scan the skies, and um, it's, I call it sky fishing, I really enjoy doing it, it's, you know, wow. uh, you uh, you catch as many things as you do catching fish, very few, but when you get them, it's, uh, it's quite exciting, and um, I've learned to try to discern what is maybe a satellite, from space junk to something abnormal, um, an airplane would always have a blinking light system, Mm -hmm. which is pretty easy to identify, and a certain path. And, of course, a helicopter would be included in that. Um, Usually something just streaking across the sky is on a set path is one thing. But anything that comes across the sky and stops or changes direction or illuminates itself and goes back down are points of interest for me. So
0: that's interesting.
1: that's my night vision setup. And anybody that's curious about learning about this can always get in touch with me.
0: Are you recording video or still shots with this? That's
1: video. I'm awesome. making films. And I'll, I'll be able to show um, one of them that's absolutely fantastic from Mexico, uh, from Playa del Carmen. I'm going to be showing you one of those films. But let's get to some of the stills. Yeah. Now, here's an assemblage of a very odd item.
0: Before we get started, when you say these are stills, are these stills with your night vision or just with a camera?
1: These are stills with a um, camera with a zoom lens. Okay. So I'll explain the objects here. They're all the same object, which is quite fascinating if you think about it. And I came home from playing hockey. It was a Sunday morning. And I remember before I came in the house, I looked up into the sky, which I have seemed to have a knack of doing looking right at the right moment at the right thing. And I saw what, what appeared to me from my vantage point, a bright uh, star in this, in the daytime sky. And I was like, what is that? What would a star be doing out in the sky? And I remember a friend of mine, uh, Mike, who ran a gas station near me. He was walking. I said, Mike, come on over here. W- what do you think that is? And he was fascinated with the two. And I said, Mike, Just stay here. Let me run inside and get my camera and and come back. I ran inside, got the tripod and the camera. I think it was like a Canon uh, 20D or something like that Mm -hmm. with a telephoto. And I proceeded to take some photographs. And it just looked like small objects. I couldn't tell what, what it was until I came in the house, brought it up on the computer into Photoshop and enlarged them. And from one photo here to here to this odd-looking feathery thing to a configuration of um, marks right up here to this one to that one was what I had, mm-hmm. and it defied description to me. I, I remember that there was wind. I remember clouds moving. This was kind of near New York City, and. This object stayed stationary, didn't move. And uh, so the clouds moved, it didn't move. And it sat there perfectly still for, I'm I'm guessing, 15 to 20 minutes as I photographed it. And so, okay, so balloons, really? I mean, like with this perfectly straight edge configuration. Mm -hmm. And same with this, this strange, odd configuration. Uh, I defy anyone to to let balloons go and have them coagulate into these shapes come apart like this mm-hmm. um, turn into this singular weird thing I, I have no idea what it was or this other thing here and and they as I'm sure your viewers can see that they almost look like roundish squares or you know something that they're not circular and they're not you know they're like oblong and um only when the tic-tac videos came out that i look at that and say you know i photographed something kind of similar years back now and we'll move off of this but i just wanted to say that there was a ufo researcher antonio paris at the time who got him interested and he did a thorough examination of this object by call by researching, calling airports, calling uh, uh, you know all sorts of data, looking at all sorts of data, where the satellites were, where was the space station, where it was this and that and everything else and he, and after a month of researching it, he left it as completely unknown, nobody could figure out what it was. So this was one of the more fascinating things that I that I captured and the way the site, Ended is it slowly moved west towards me away from New York City, stopped, and got a little smaller and slowly drifted towards New York City and then behind clouds and that was the last I saw of it.
0: You know, you're using a computer and things become pixelated. Is it possible that the image is becoming pixelated?
1: Um, I don't. It's all things are possible and I'm no computer expert, but I don't really know that that would be the answer because there's other things of similar nature that I photographed that didn't become pixelated. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, if I, this is not the highest of res image, I don't, I don't really know if I still have the real high res image, but obviously if you, if you enlarge something enough, now we're going to see all the pixelation. Right. But But if you bring it back down, you're not going to see the pixelation. And you can see right here that there are identifiably individual items that have seemed to have come apart. So if we just go from this image to this image, this somehow was this or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Whatever this was had the ability to seem to come apart and come back together. Whether someone would want to describe that as morphing. Yeah, that's Um, interesting.
0: Can you zoom that one in, the ones that they come apart, like you did that one? Yeah. I'd just like to see how that looks when you zoom it in really close.
1: Let's see. This one here, right? Yeah, that
0: one or the other one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that one. This one is, that's the one I call a feather. Mm -hmm. Now, I would love to know, if that was from motion, I would love to know how you could get these structures to turn into that. Yeah. I mean i It, it just doesn 't work for me uh, and then this this sort of odd thing so mm-hmm. it's just a you know from small to large it 's still perplexing to me, maybe it happened back in two thousand and fifteen mm-hmm. and i've looked at it and thought about it and talked about it so many times, and nobody has ever really come up with a plausible answer for me like you can't tell me it's balloons I'm sorry I'm not buying it I don't know how wow. balloons would do this and and the UFO investigator team that got involved would have smoked that out immediately
0: right so did you give these pictures to MUFON
1: I gave them to uh, I think um, yeah there was a MUFON chapter in the area that mm-hmm. I showed them to mm-hmm. um, George Filer, who's pretty well known in uh, ufology I showed them to him and like I said, nobody's ever really said, oh, we've discovered what it is or, oh, you know, whatever. So I've never found out. So for me, it remains unidentified flying because it's in the air object. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's one of them. And that was daytime. A lot. I have a lot of daytime sightings. Mm. Um, one of the things I learned is you're not going to see anything with your head to the curb. You have to walk around. Everybody knows me in town as – kind of guy who was staring at the sky all the time. And that's because I like to have a camera with me. And I like to walk with my mind up in the sky. I've seen other things that defy description that I never got a shot of. And of recent, of the certainly of the last two years with COVID and everything else, I just stopped looking. It's just the vibe is all off. And I've right. kind of stopped the whole <clears> thing. <throat> so that's one of them.
0: You know, someone asked me once before, well, why don't we see UFOs? And I say, well, how often do you look in the sky? <laughs>
1: it's a very good answer. Yes, very good answer. You're not going to see them. How often do I catch a fish? Well, not very often unless you cast a line into the water with a worm on it. You know, right. you have to be going through some sort of process. And I think that there's also an element to this that's beyond just being lucky, um, it has to do with, everybody talks about consciousness now today, it has to do with a readiness or a, an instinct, and a gut instinct, and, and a, uh, maybe something where I'm, I'm meant to see these. So, you know, all of us, I, Jeff, I have more questions than answers in the world. Everything right. is a question mark for me.
0: Um, why,
1: why don't we jump to another one? This, was, this is an odd thing that people have written off to me as being a drop of water on my windshield. And um, <laughs> I'll explain why it doesn't work for me. You know, photos are one thing. Photos of objects are one thing. Photos with a witness, where the witness can give you an accountable thing of what they saw, is really the bonanza. What we all want from everybody is a, is a story, uh, a witness testimony, a witness testimony, And then if we can get photo information, it's really great. So I was heading to hockey again. Everything seems to be happening while I'm on my way to hockey. Uh, I was on Route 3 West, driving past towards Giants Stadium in Rutherford, New Jersey. And I remember specifically, and it was a hot, dry day, plain and simple. A very, very hot, dry day. And it was summertime and I'm I'm on my way down West. And I remember I had my iPhone with me and I remember looking up in the distance towards giant stadium and going, what is that in the sky? There's something in the sky kind of towards giant stadium. So as I approached and got closer and closer, I'm driving now and I'm in the left lane and I don't want to stop and cause an accident. So I'm going to try to put my, iPhone camera in the right angle, right through the windshield and snap a photo right as I got there, which I did. I remember seeing it, looking, seeing it. And then when I was getting close, I just remember taking the photograph and driving. And I never looked at the camera until I got home. When I got home, that's what I found in that picture. Now, how would a raindrop get on my windshield? on that hot day, and I remember I, re- I was returning the car that I had, it was a Ford Fusion, to the lease company on that very day. So I came home, got showered up, and left for the lease company to return it. I remember looking at the car. I remember not seeing a crack in the windshield, not seeing any object uh, that could be on the windshield that got stuck on the windshield to take the place of or to to make this image appear from small to large and so I don't know what it is. I, I I don't I I would say yes, it's a raindrop. Did a bird come by and drop something on the windshield? Was it possible that a drop of water came out of nowhere and hit the windshield? But it's it I took photographs of drops of water after that. Trying to recreate it. I could never recreate it. So that's one other object. I thought maybe it's a parachute. Maybe someone was parachuting into the Giants stadium. Never got an answer for it, Jeff. So that's one of the other ones I caught during the day. Mm
0: -hmm. I was trying to look at it and decide, is there a shadow underneath it, which it looks like, but then whatever is under the shadow is either mirrored, mirroring the sky, or I don't think it's illuminated, but it's not shadowed, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, It's odd. Also, I don't know. There's something that doesn't work for me about the angle of the camera with the windscreen and then that angling. Like if I took a little clear piece of plastic, round like piece of plastic, and stuck it on my windshield and photographed that, to me the angle would be different, but it's all unknown to me. It may end up being nothing. People in the UFO community wanted to write it off as a raindrop, but that's why I always say um, that the witness has a lot to do with a the, the event because I saw it from a distance. I saw it when I was like a mile away. I knew something was in the sky. Why would I be motivated to even take a photograph through the windshield if I didn't see anything in the first place? That struck me as odd. One other thing about the story, and we'll move off of it, is there was a huge helicopter right outside of – giant stadium that was that was hovering about 10 or 15 feet off the ground a huge not it looked like a military helicopter that was there and then i thought well maybe it was i don't know maybe they dropped a parachutist out of a plane and they were going to watch it come down but i just don't have the visual evidence of anyone hanging at the bottom of this so i don't know Mm -hmm. so that's that's one other one that uh um Remains unidentified for me. Here's one that I call, uh, I call this God's business card. Um, this is the one of the oddest things I've ever seen. Here is a com- compilation, a group of photographs of something. I came out in the morning again. I, I, I'm, I hate to get boring with the hockey story, but a lot of times I'm leaving the house with my hockey stuff And I I scanned the sky immediately before I get in my car. And I looked towards the West in my building and I saw a white object in the, um, in the, uh, the air pattern of where the jets would be, you know, and I would watch one jet go by on their way to Newark airport. And then I see this thing in the same lane going by as if it was a jet and Any, uh, unless you had a discerning eye, you you would just take it for granted as it's a white thing going through the sky, no different than an airliner. The distance shot for it is this bottom one, right? So, if that's the edge of my building, that's what I saw in the sky Mm -hmm. until I brought it in and enlarged it. Um, here's and here's another weird kind of Configuration of it where it looks mm-hmm. just like a square. Yeah. And I'm like, what in God's name is this? And of course, again, it's only when I got home and I enlarged it that I realized. But one thing I do know for sure, Jeff, is it started to the right of me and it tra- tra- traversed the entire sky till it disappeared behind my building. So it wasn't like something going like this. It wasn't like an airplane was towing a. Uh, an ad behind it, like Mm -hmm. some sort of thing like that. It didn't come down. It didn't, it just stayed on a trajectory all the way across the sky. And it was quite, quite at a distance. So, I mean, a bag, a piece of paper uh, up in the jet lane like that. It, it, you know, it never made any sense. Now coming in on it a little bit closer, you could see probably one of the close-ups here. It's got this kind of rainbowish feeling is that, that image. It's a alteration of a square shape Mm -hmm. and this here too.
0: Mm -hmm. It's another thing that's either reflecting light that becomes bright or it's got its own illumination source.
1: And what is its power source? I mean, is it, why is it flying through the sky? Why is it? I've never seen anything like that before. So, I, uh, I, you know, nobody has an answer for it. Everybody's looked at it in the community, my friends, and, you know, nobody really seems to come up with a good answer. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't, maybe it's not that sexy captivating, like a UFO of a flying sorcerer nature. But again, it's just one of those things that is part of my world of looking in the sky and examining what's going on and, and trying to catch things. And another daytime, uh, site. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now this is a fascinating one. I call this the smudge. This one, this one strikes me as being very important, a lot more important than maybe someone would give credence to because this is a fascinating story. I was, let me bring up the first one here. I was sitting at a cafe in my town, maybe, maybe, three or four years ago. Outside at dusk, you can see it's sort of late in the day. And in fact, you can see here that the moon is kind of up. This is probably the first photograph. The moon is kind of there. This clouds. I'm sitting, and I I have my iPhone again, and I look up towards where you're seeing, and right here, there's a little black mark in the sky. You can see it. Mm -hmm. And that's the first indication anything was happening. Like the second, it absolutely happened in front of me. It didn't, I didn't look and it was there. It appeared. It absolutely happened in front of me as if a plane was flying by and and puffed some black soot or I call it the smudge. So I call it the smudge UFO and that appears. And that's how far away it was. And I managed. It's a miracle that I got this on my iPhone because I managed to capture it. And then I took four, maybe five photographs. And I was like, what in God's name was that? And I forgot about it until I got home and loaded it on my uh, computer and brought up Photoshop. Now, that was the first one. Here's the next one. It's a little more pointed and a little rounder, but nothing really to make note of yet. Okay. And then let's see what this one is. All right. Now, all of a sudden, it's this. Now it looks like a, a round pinprint or a ball. And get this as you come in on it. <laughs> What is that? I mean, it's, it's, it's got a symmetrical, almost metallic, symmetrical quality to it. I, I don't know, but it's like a star, like a cross right in the middle with one, two, three, four openings. That's how I've envisioned it. Like a cross around BB. Imagine a BB where you carved out the corners and the, the middle star was there. And then um, a still further enlargement is one, and then a larger enlargement is another. So this is what came out of that little abstract mark. And then when I tell you it was gone, um, it it kind of went back into a little smudgy look. And then I think this is the final pick for uh, that's what it ended up going back to that little mark in the sky. So what's fascinating to me about this is it never flew in and it never flew out. It appeared and disappeared. And it almost made me think, is it uh, dimensional, is it from another dimension? Did it did something tear open in the sky and it came through, and then it popped back out? Now i ha- I have some uh rather red in brainy friends in the DC area, and they looked at it for me, and one comment was. Uh, it couldn't be figured out, but one comment was, "It looks like it has its own light source or its own identity." And the other comment from this this other person was, "It looks like a Skunk Works, a Lockheed Skunk Works." Uh, mm. You know,
0: I don't even know what that is.
1: Well, Lockheed is our is our our, our division that creates our high tech, air our our high tech uh,
0: like aircraft.
1: Jets. Yeah. I mean, that's where the stealth and everything came come from. And there's a division of Lockheed called the skunk works Mm -hmm. and the skunk works are the ones who are creating stuff that is so out there that most of us would not be able to comprehend. And so um, whether it's anti-gravitic or plays with gravity, or it has the ability to cloak, if uh, I'm sure a lot of your audience will understand the term cloaking, where there's a way to get something to be there, but put it behind something. For example, if, a, if an airlock if a jet is flying above you, but they have above the jet wings technology to photograph what's above the jet and project it underneath the jet, then you'll never see the jet. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Far out idea. Mm-hmm. So, this object here really caught my imagination, and I think, it, I think it's been overlooked by the UFO community. I, I don't think they've paid it. T- it my instincts tell me it, this is of substance. It matters, and um, they don't seem to care. I think maybe this is my – yeah, eight twenty-six fifteen in Hoboken looking southeast towards New York City – The object appeared as a dark smudge, changing shape, lasted about 30 seconds, got several shots. The object simply dissipated. That was my original notes from it. Mm. Now, my two night visions, these two night vision shots are from Mexico. And uh, I have a a, um, condo unit that my friend and I, my friend John and I bought in Mexico uh, maybe 15, 16 years ago. And it has a rooftop. Of course, I packed up all my stuff when when I go there and I s- sit on the rooftop late at night and uh, battle off the mosquitoes and I mm-hmm. and I try to film things. So here is a fascinating thing here. Hold on. Okay, now, let me try to explain this. This is going to be grainy, and this was one of my earlier night vision equipments, a Yukon, whereas my new one is... Um, a Luna. This one was not as accurate and you're going to see the fuzziness of this, but I want your audience to know that there was nothing above me when I had my camera looking up at this. I Mm -hmm. caught it and it's only night vision that caught the object. There's no other way I would have seen it and there was no sound to it. So here are the stars. I'm going to try to focus them. Now, look at the size of this thing and look how slow it's moving. There's no blinking lights, so it's not an aircraft. Um, It's not a meteorite or anything like that. Those objects move quickly through the sky. Mm -hmm. It's not a satellite. It's far too large and not moving in a proper pattern. And I've showed this to a lot of people who would know that. And I'm trying to steady the uh, camera here, but you can see it moving through the stars. There goes either a bird or a fl- or a uh, or a satellite or a shooting star. Um, and then you'll see it uh, move. It's not very long, and then you'll see it move off. I'm going to play it long enough to show everyone it go into the distance. Um, but I'm 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 tracking this as best I can, and I I don't think the system that I had at the time was a very good uh, tracking uh, system. I may have been hand holding it, but look how slow this is moving past the stars and everything. And um, I think, it, I think I, uh, the, the, lat- the latter part of this film gets a little darker again, there it is. Mm-hmm. And this is moving so slow, painfully slow, that I can't place anything in, um, in my way of thinking. If someone in your audience can, and obviously I'm always open to explanations of what these things are, Mm -hmm. um, then I'm open to that. And then soon you'll see it, um, just to move through it, soon you'll see, here's the trees in the distance. You can see the trees. That's what the trees look like in Mm -hmm. night vision. And um, eventually it kind of moves off into the distance but it's so slow and so that's one of my night vision um captures that i'm uh that i'm kind of impressed with
0: that's picking up light sources that's not an infrared or picking up heat
1: it's picking up um there is an infrared quality to the one that i have it picks up infrared but it's really a uh, an ability to see light into dark areas. If I turn on the infrared on my Luna, it will it will shine an infrared light forward, but I don't think the distance is adequate to pick up something at that distance. So mm. it's not infrared. It's it's a night vision, very similar to the night goggles that our military use overseas mm. and everything, where you know it just it just takes all the available light and and illuminates it. I'm not an expert on it, but, mm-hmm. um, but now I could not see that with my eyes. So that's mm-hmm. what that's, that's key. And I couldn't hear it. So it made no sound. So what is this thing floating over me? Is it, is it, uh, I don't know. I mean, what could it be? So that's one of them. Okay. Now I have, uh, this is completely perplexing. <laughs> and this was shown on a, um, Open Minds TV or Open Minds, a show that um, uh, Alejandro Rojas, I think that's his name, put this on five or six years ago. And we had a whole debate. That's a UFO community that examines things. I sent it to them. And they scratched their head together. They could not figure out what this was. This is now night vision also. This is with my early setup. And I was weary with my arms. Mm -hmm. It's like, a, it's like a camera that I'm holding, like a heavy um, binocular. And on top of it was a little um, recorder jacked into it. And it was like this thing. But my arms were very weary at the time of finding this. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was dusk. And I remember there was a strong wind coming off of the, of, of the ocean, which I was about two blocks away from, traveling very strong, And this was over my shoulder and it was a a tower, a group of towers. And I'm going to estimate a mile away. Mm. It could be even less, but something like that. And now I'm going to run this and explain this as it goes. It's very shaky, but it will steady to show you this. Now, why with wind, with heavy wind, why is this object sitting still where it is? So here we go. This cannot be seen by the eye. It's making no sound. And it's in a kind of a low economic area of Mexico where it doesn't make any sense as to it's nighttime. There's no lights on it. Is someone flying a kite in the middle? Not in the middle of the night, but in in darkness. I don't see any evidence of it being a kite. It acts like a kite a little bit, but then I'll explain what happens here. So there's the tower. It's turning a little bit. Now look at this. Comes right past the tower and comes down towards another tower. Comes straight down, sort of disappears in the night vision. And now absolutely straight up. Mm. Now we've got wind. You know, <laughs> Why is this thing going straight up, absolutely straight up? Now the night vision is only catching this. Um, I'll catch a piece of the clouds at some point. You'll see it. And the clouds are kind of high. Now, who has a kite? Now, here it comes back down again. There's another object there, a little tiny object that was in the sky the entire time. Now, it comes back down again and now straight back up again. Straight up, and I would estimate... what Now, there's the clouds. So now we're talking about... This is pretty high up in the sky. I mean, and and, uh, there goes a bird. Now, why would we have this object there? And I stopped it at that. The the original film is longer, but I didn't want to play it forever. And um, so, if we kind of come back on it and just like...
0: It does look like it separates into two things sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's like an Oreo with a cream in the middle. Mm -hmm. Let's see if we can get it to uh, separate.
0: With the naked eye, you could not see it.
1: No, there was no... So so let's look at, you know, Occam's razor says the simplest explanation is the most uh, plausible one. Let's look at it at nighttime in a kind of a poor section of this Mexican area. That the only plausible thing I can think of at the time is uh, who would be flying something with no lights in the darkness, even if it was a kite. Who would have who would have this ability to to control it? Why would you want to fly a kite at night? Um, yeah. I don't know what it is. I have no. Uh, no explanation for it. That's sort of like a, a more singular part of it. Let's see if I can, um, you can see it. There you go. Right. Right. They're perfect. Now oh, you actually,
0: have to go back to that. They look like they're hexagon shaped.
1: Yeah. And, and again, I took note of the, the wind coming off the, com- coming off the ocean. It was strong. Mm. So, there's no way anything could just hold its position according to the top of this tower in such a way that if it was being held, it, in other words, the, for it to be a kite, it would have to have been flown from the opposite direction, from the ocean, not from the left point of view, but would have to be flown. It would have to be flown from here, holding it back this way because if it was flown here it would be coming into the into the rope that or whatever that's flying it 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 didn't make any sense and it comes down now it starts to here we go there it is
0: mhm
1: now it So now, if it's a kite being flown over here, it's it's blowing down and coming back down. But it's it. But for it to maintain where it was, it would have had to have been from this this angle, based on the wind, um, and then it comes down, kind of disappears. And now, how can you get it to go straight up? Why would it go like like a perfect straight line, straight up, come back down again, and then do the same thing all the way up to the height of the cloud? So. This is a perplexing thing to me. Was it there because of the towers? Was it some sort of other, I don't know. Uh, It's never had an explanation. No lights, no blinking, no sound in the darkness. Nobody could see this without night vision.
0: Right. Now you mentioned that you have a knack for just seeing things like this in the sky. Did you have this ability before you had your OBE or is this something that could be related after your OBE?
1: It's a good question. I, I don't know that I had this. I don't even know that it's an ability. Um, it's something I have a knack for, but it, is it, in other words, Jeff, is it something everyone could be doing if they're looking in the sky as often as I am? I don't know. All right, so I can describe the OBE, but let me just go into another um, amazing image that uh, uh, thing that came above me. I had this beautiful pearlescent orb float right above me. That's an enlargement of it. Uh, A little bit more at a distance would be this. Here's the side of a, uh, a building. Here's the object in the sky. That's what it would look like to the eye. And this is what it was when I brought it in. And it was, this, Jeff, was the most um, spiritual event I've ever had as far as UFOs go. I didn't really feel much of a connection with anything with the other images. This particular one gave me a spiritual connection. There was something, this was a gift. It's the best way I can describe it is it was a gift. Something came over me and just like, like an angel, I, I don't know, whatever you want to get it, it, into it. It's an unknown, but it made me feel that I am graced with this or something. And so it's quite an amazing thing to look at the, the rainbow mm-hmm. colors and everything about it. So this one, I will always remember as one of the more spiritual uh, events. One last UFO. This is something ca- I call the manta. This flew all the way across the sky. That's a close-up of it. It was traveling from here that way, going across the sky. And there's just no explanation for this object that looks like it's got two spokes coming out the front, and it's in a sort of a manta position. So that was one other um, object that I caught with my iPhone and traced it all the way across the sky. So, you know, that's it. I can uh, we can talk about uh, some other issues, the OBE and um, and we can talk about the vision that I had. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, here's another. uh, This was an amazing thing that happened to me. I was with my friend Sharice. We were in Mexico. We were lying on the bed in the afternoon, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And I was lying there with her and I closed my eyes and all of a sudden I started to notice something coming in as if a movie was playing behind my eyelids. In brief, what happened here is over a 15 minute period of time, a vision came into my sight only when my eyes were closed. And I would say, Cherise, I can't believe what's happening. I'm seeing some sort of vision. It got brighter and brighter. And the best way I can describe it is it was like an angular flower or something and all these millions upon millions of dots were breathing in and out, in and out. And it became so evident that I, I just, it was, I've never had a vision like that before. And I was telling her about it. And when I would open my eyes, it wasn't there. When I closed my eyes back, it came. And there it was, it passed through me. i spoke to her about it as it was happening. And I told her it's fading now and fading. We discussed it quite a while afterwards. But when I came home, being an artist, I got my paints out and I said, let me try as best I can to, and there's no way to paint what I saw, but let me try to emulate the kind of thing I saw. And that's what it looked like. Hmm. The OBE that I had, two of them that I'll describe, and then there's a story called Chandra. If we could fit it all in, we will. Real briefly, the OBE I had was I was with my girlfriend. Uh, It's actually her birthday today. I haven't seen her in a long time, but we're still friends. And maybe this is a a good 20 years ago. And we had just finished making love. And we were on the bed together. We were lying there. And within no time, I was on the ceiling. I was on the ceiling looking down at me and my friend. And we were there together. And I was like, "What, what am I doing on the ceiling? I'm seeing this entire scene from above. I would say it only lasted 15 seconds. And then I was back in my body. So that was probably the only OBE experience I've had that was like I would I'm 100% sure I was awake there was no there was no mixing it up for being asleep or whatever that's mm-hmm. one then one night I'm in bed and I got up my house is exactly how it is I came downstairs I had a feeling to go to the front door I went to the front door of my my house. You can see the stairwell here that I came downstairs in and went to the front door, opened my front door, and my grandmother was standing there. She was walking slowly down the hall, and I said, Nana, Nana, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? She had been dead for many, many years, Mm -hmm. and she had this beautiful glow about her. She was younger than when she passed. She was maybe in her late 60s, early 70s. She looked nice. She had a sweet look on her face and she had this angelic quality about her, but it was her. And she said, Douglas, I just want you to know everything is going to be okay. And she started walking past me. She said it again, turned the corner. And I was like, what are you, what is, I closed the door, came upstairs, got in bed, and then I woke up, so to speak. And as many of your NDE people that I've listened to have said, I know the difference between a dream. This was not a dream. I I can remember this clearer than everything I can remember now. And it's 20 years later. That's how amazing this was to me. And it gave me quite an amazing feeling. Hmm. So, um, and I can tell you the last thing that I'd like to share with everyone. Do we have time? Yeah. Okay. Okay. The most bizarre event that I've had was what I call my Chandra event. And I've I've got the notes on it. I'd like to read it. If, is that okay, Chad? Sure. Okay. Uh, for years, I have been having odd night events. This begins as I'm lying, lying in bed, a cold sweat and a chill comes over me and a feeling that something is in my space and approaching, ready to come up the stairs in my loft, There seems to be an altered reality. I'm awake, but I'm not like a a subtle alternative reality. And it would frighten me whenever this would happen. One night, feeling the same cold, clammy feeling, I was aware that something or someone was in my presence. I felt it behind me. It seemed very dark and foreign to me, and I was frightened. I cursed at it, said, get out of here, and it left. I felt the pressure lift and the reality returned as things were. I was a little bit out of breath how to shake it off. The next day, when I reassessed the event, I wondered why I was so afraid and kind of berated myself for lack of courage and curiosity. So I made the conscious decision to invite it back. I actually said out loud in my room, I'm sorry, entity, please come back. Well, it did. Several nights later, maybe it was a week, I went to sleep, meditating on the idea that an atom has more space in it than any kind of material. I was just meditating on that. And so most everything is really empty space and nothingness. I had this image in my head from which Jim Mars uh, showed a small illustration of, and then I fell asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night and became aware of that thing again. But this time it lasted for a long time and I couldn't get out of it. It was like a person lying behind me with its head right near my shoulder wrapping its arms around me and holding my wrists. It was actually holding my wrists from behind. I knew it was dark, black, almost burnt charcoal in appearance, but I dared not turn around to look at it. I could hear its breathing and I started to panic. I started to hold on and, and, and really press. It started to hold on, really pressed behind me. I could feel its pressure. I was struggling with it. Let, let go of me, let go of me, but it, the more it was determined, it held on. It was hard for me to talk and get my words out. It was very scary. I was amazed how long it was going on. I felt its face right near me behind. And then I remembered I had, this had happened before and I was reminded of my memory that I invited it back. So I got a little braver, settled myself, and then I started to try to talk to it. I asked, are you alien?" it answered in a feminine voice yes in a telepathic manner i then said why am i so afraid fr- why am i so frightened and it replied i'm frightened too and that amazed me then i tried to turn my head a little and somehow i saw a glimpse of it all creepy and dark but then while still holding my wrist from behind it presented an image perhaps more pleasing to me in front of me And what I could best describe as a square window frame, like above me, coming down. Um, Let's see. I remember seeing a beautiful face with long hair falling forward and behind the screen as if it was a window screen with a screen net on it. I said, you're very beautiful. And it replied, I know. Which then I got the feeling... It was almost shy or embarrassed. This is hard to put into words and hard to explain. All then became very tranquil. I asked its name and it replied Chandra. Then all of a sudden and without struggle, it gently let go, dissipated, and its presence slipped away.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your musical Hypnata?
1: Oh, great, Jeff. Thanks for asking. Um, I sat up one morning, middle of night, I don't know, three or four o'clock in the morning, And I just sat up and said the word hippinata. Now I had been an artist, a painter, songwriter, a creative person all my life. And I said, I said that word. I made note of it. I left the house, came back later because I had written it down and I started to let it just sit there and I started to think about it. All of a sudden, within some small amount of time, I started to get the idea that all my songwriting It's not pop. It's not going to go on a radio station. I'm not like a pop songwriter. And anyone that would ever hear my music always said, Doug, it sounds sort of like Broadway or show or movie music. And so things started forming where I got this idea, like a prompt, like a message inside me. I got this idea that I was going to write a musical about disclosure, UFO disclosure. And and it chose me. I felt that Hypnata was given me and the instinct around that word was given to me to write this show. And so I, I titled the di- name Hypnata and I used the name Hypnata in the show as an as a Native American lore handed down to my main character. So there's a Grandma Sage Whitehawk. She hands down this word Hypnata to her, her um daughter in a sense nectar and and she tells her while she's on her lap as a child the hypnata is the place where you're giving messages from the beings beyond in between waking and sleeping which we call the hypnagogic and hypnopompic states and that's where tesla nikola tesla and I you know Many great thinkers, Da Vinci and everybody, they would sit in a chair and they would drop like little stones when they dozed off and they would take note of what was happening at that moment. And um, so I built the show around that. And, and Jeff, I'm telling you right now, and if your audience take interest in listening to some of the show, it's in final edits right now. It's not ready to come out. There's no way I wrote this. This was downloaded to me. I it, This is beyond my pay grade. I wrote all the lyrics. I wrote all the music to 18 songs. I perform all the music on the piano, on uh, Logic Pro, adding instruments and strings and everything. I managed to find Broadway singers who were willing to come and sing some of the demos. And it's in the final stages. And I, all I can tell you is it was given me. It came through me. There's, in fact, I don't know how I did it. And when I look back at the songs now, I don't even know how I wrote them. I'd have to look at the sheet music. I'd have to study the songs all over again to even be able to play them. That's how foreign it is to me right now. So Hypnata is an is a exciting tale that's based on four or five real UFO events that's fictionalized to bring to an audience, to entertain them much like The Wizard of Oz or E.T., or It's a Wonderful Life, but it's an uplifting spiritual show that... Has ufology and disclosure sort of as a Trojan horse.
0: Once you finish editing, are you going to like submit it to Broadway producers to see if someone wants to bring it to the to the stage, or what will you do with it?
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm going to be open to any all people in the in the industry. I know that since COVID, everything has been very affected. I have a very uh, good contact out in LA who's aware of the show right now, and I have some options about that but yes, whether it's, whether it makes its debut in a cyber stage environment online or a small theater, it's really designed to not preach to the UFO choir. I mean, we already know ufology already knows this stuff. It's designed for a stage audience, a tourist audience that comes in and says, let's see a show in New York or whatever. And Hey, I heard about this show, Hypnota. This looks good. and sounds good. And it's, uh, it's entertaining and enlightening, but it's, like I said, it's actually telling true stories.
0: I also want to let the audience know that Doug is a fantastic painter. And if you look behind him, you can see some of his work. And he has some different series of paintings. I think one is about burned victims or something, right?
1: Yeah, we call them burn survivors. I, I approached uh, St. Barnabas Burn Center in my area, and I, and I wanted to take volunteers of young burn survivors, because I wanted to illustrate the fragility of all our lives. We are so fragile. You go out in the morning and before the day is over, you're in a horrific situation like some of these people and you lose your looks. You lose your physical abilities. You're sort of a modern day visual leper in a sense. The world doesn't want anything to do with you. Only 10% of burn survivors ever return to public. It's a. It's an, It's really, it's an odd sad statement about us that we do not want to accept people that have lost um symmetry and their looks um it's hard you can't like how do they the girl way behind me and people can people can find this um people can find these in my website but these two people behind me shayla is 14 years old Mm. she is uh she is a severely burned young girl lost her fingers and everything like that and Like, how does the world welcome a person like that into, you know, working at a cosmetic counter or a coffee shop or a bank window? I mean, people are like, I don't want to look at that. And we need to grow up and learn more about the fact that we are not a body. We are a spirit. And so that is my expression, um, my my expression through my art of that issue.
0: How did the burn victims respond to you when you asked them, hey, I'd like to you know, paint you? Were they open to that or what?
1: Well, that was cleared by the burn center that I worked with. I, I sent them a proposal. I pitched them the idea. I said, I'd be looking for volunteers for the very reason that I just described. They wrote me back and said, this is like a weird idea. And they didn't want to get involved in it. And then about a month later, they wrote me back again. And and I think <clears throat> I think they eventually saw the, uh, the wisdom in this. And uh, they put it out to their burn community. And these are all volunteers. These are Mm -hmm. people who volunteered to be part of it. And I have remained in contact with many of them through the years. I'm good friends with, with probably the worst burned young woman. Um, I'm still good friends with her. Uh, She's on my website. Um, uh, It's a diptych of two big paintings coming together called Rebecca and Louise. They were in a house fire in Haiti and They lost five family members in the fire and they were, they were rescued. It's a tragic story, but Louise is one of my true inspirations. One of my true heroes. She got a PhD in psychology. Her sister got a PhD in law. They didn't let the burns stop them. They fought their way through ridicule and they're just amazing, amazing people.
0: Hmm, That's great. Uh, What is the painting behind you that looks like a woman in, in a white robe or something?
1: Okay, now that that is, uh, people can find that at my website, uh, dougald.com, if they scroll all the way to the bottom. That is one of the rare sort of surrealistic dream image paintings that I ever make. And I made it <clears throat> for my friend and experiencer, Chris Bledsoe, who's a well-known UFO experiencer. And there's a picture of Chris and I and his dad at the bottom of my site. And that was the vision that Chris was given <clears throat> of an um, angelic woman, an angelic being we call the lady, who spoke to him and gave him messages. And uh, it's tied into a whole UFO experience. And he asked me to paint her. And it took me about a year of meditating on it to take the chance of doing so. And that's, that's the painting. That's the full-life painting. Hmm.
0: All right, Doug, if people want to see more of your paintings or learn more about Hypnota, Uh, do you have websites for that?
1: Yes. My artwork is on my name, www.dougall.com, D-O-U-G-A-U-L-D.com. And all the series of my work are on there, including 100 portraits of whistleblowers, whistleblowers who, um, blew the whistle on, uh, paranormal stuff on, uh, black ops on, uh, pharmaceutical, on any number of topics. Anybody that I came across that I felt was a, a, uh, a whistleblower, I painted their portrait. Several of them just passed on recently too, two of my portraits. And um, you can see my burn survivors. You can see my surrealism and all the different work that I've done throughout the years. And then my show, Hypnata, is www.hypnata.com, H-Y-P-N-O-T-T-A.com. And you can sign up for the newsletter. I'm going to be putting out another blog soon. The show is in final editing, so it's yet to be um, shown to the public.
0: After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and connect with you. Are you a private person or are you open to that? And if so, how can they chat with you or connect with you?
1: I'm very open to communication with all people. Um, Probably the easiest thing is send me an email, which is on both of my sites. My email is on both sites. I can be reached that way. And um, I do have a Facebook page, Doug Ault uh, Facebook page. Um, But I welcome all emails and all inquiries and anything I can do to help anybody with uh, what, whatever their pursuits are, be it uh, night vision or photography or anything about capturing these objects in the sky, I'd be happy to do so.
0: All right. Before we finish up, do you have one last positive message that you want to share with everyone?
1: Uh, good question. Um, Jeff, Jeff, your show has helped me, among other uh, avenues, um of NDEs. NDEs are the most fascinating thing that I find even more than UFOs. I'm more interested in NDEs now than anything. Because I mean, can you imagine someone crossing over and bringing you back information? I mean, what what a what more amazing thing could happen? So, I guess the last thing I want to share with everybody is that we are all in this together. We're all spirits occupying a body and um, you know, it's go, we're going to cross over. We're going to exist forever. And um, as best we can to see our brother in us and vice versa. Because I know it's as corny as it sounds. We are all one and we're all from the same pool. And, um, and uh, I get angry. I get pissed off. I'm furious a lot of times. But I have to remi- remind myself it's an aspect of me. Because if it's in them, it, it can be in me even as far out as some of the horrific things we do to each other. So to remember that we all come from a source and we'll all be going home.
0: Thank you for that message. And Doug, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your experiences. I appreciate you and I wish you the best.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Jeff.
0: All right. Have a great rest of your day over there. All right. Great. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast.